wanted to first start with a, just a question. Um, and I don't expect y'all to give me an answer, but just something to think about, right? What's your favorite Christmas song? Like when you think about Christmas songs, which one is your, your favorite? My favorite to listen to, like my favorite rendition of any Christmas song is Silent Night by The Temptations. Uh, I don't think it gets any better than that. Um, but uh, probably, like, lyrically, my favorite Christmas song is Oh Holy Night. And, but, you know, you can't go wrong with, with those. can't go wrong with any of the songs we're just singing. There's so much scripture in these songs. But those two in particular are, you know, my personal favorites. But the, the, the big thing with Oh Holy Night, the line that just, like, tends to get me right in the feels is in the first verse when it says, A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Like thinking when I think about that, right? It just it really uh, ministers to me. Like thinking about God and His grace as He comes to Earth, and how in that particular time in history, God had been silent throughout the world for about 400 years. Micah, oh, excuse me, Malachi was the last time God spoke through His prophets. We had this uprising of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and their goal was to bring bring about outward conformity to God's law. They were just cleaning the outside cup, you know, could have been good intentions, but this is what they did. Um, and, and there was this ushering in of these new laws that they implemented, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and this rigid yet peaceful culture that they sought to implement over the course of these 400 years that they were um, kind of rose to power. And the thing is, we know anytime anyone tries to add anything to God's law, all they can do is diminish the power of it and its original intent. But this weary world, right, that, that was bound by this man-made religion that they added to the Jewish law uh, would soon receive the thrill of hope, right? And, and so that's like the thing that really, like I love that aspect of that song and it makes me think of that because when it came to this message and it came to this thrill of hope that the world would get, God could have easily sent it to King Herod he could have given it to the Pharisees and Sadducees who had rose to power. He could have given it to anyone in any, um, in any place of, of prominence within the culture. He could have done that very easily, and the, people would have listened to them because these were people who were in power. But God didn't do that. <clears throat> and what we'll see in our passage today, he went to the dirty, grimy, ceremonially unclean shepherds to present this, uh, this message, to, to proclaim this message of the coming Savior, or the shepherd that has come. Now, these shepherds in particular here in, uh, outside of Bethlehem, a little closer to Jerusalem, they're the, the shepherds that provided the lambs that would be sacrificed in the temple uh, on, a, on a regular basis. These, these type of shepherds didn't really own their own land. Typically, they were kind of nomadic and just used other people's land to uh, build, up, build up their... Uh, their flocks and to give them to the temple for um, for sacrifice and even it's, it's believed that during this time shepherds were such a low class of people that their testimony wasn't even admissible in court right it was like to that level that these shepherds uh, these were the kind of people that the shepherds were they were grunts peons peasants low weak unwise foolish you know they were the least of these is, is how these people were viewed but as we spoke about last week, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what was weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not to bring about 
to, uh, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And as I think about these shepherds and, you know, the state that they're in and what God has done through them and, and their position, I, you know, I, I feel like as one of the shepherds of this flock, I can kind of relate to them. Um, because shepherding is, is dirty work, right? There's no way around it. It, it is not uh, for the, um, the weak, right? It's, it's not for the weak to, um, to partake in this role. God calls his people, and he's the one that gives us the strength. But, uh, and that's not to say that there's not highs, but there's definitely lows. There's definitely lulls. There's, there's all these things as you uh, att- attempt to shepherd God's people. But the thing is, kind of like what, we see, what we're going to see in our passage today, <clears throat> for me as one of these shepherds, as, we, or as I dig into God's word and seek to understand it and apply it to my life, God does this wonderful work within my heart over the course of this week uh, and, and last week. Every week that I'm able to present God's word, he, he tends to do these things. He works through us. And like the shepherds here in Luke 2, it's through the scriptures we see God's glory. We see him personified in Jesus Christ. And then we are able to leave our time in his word, uh, rejoicing about the goodness that he has given to us. Um, and so that, that's kind of the, when I think about God's word and my time studying it, and I think about these shepherds and how Christ was revealed to them and they spent that time with him, these, this is kind of how I make these correlations. And so with that in mind, we have three points that we're going to cover today in these 13 verses. And uh, I like the alliteration, so we're going to stick with that. So what are the, the three points that we have? Well, first, we're going to talk about the shepherds are shown the glory of the Lord. Next, we're going to talk about the shepherds saw the sign of the Lord. And then third, we're going to talk about how the shepherds shouted with the joy of the Lord. So we have the shepherds are shown the glory of the Lord. They saw the sign of the Lord, and then they uh, shouted with the joy of the Lord as they left. <clears throat> so the, I guess the, the big idea, the sermon summary, whatever you want to call it, when it comes to this passage, those are the three points. My, I guess the parting thought that I want to make sure that we leave with today would be this, <clears throat> concerning those three points, concerning our passage and where we find ourselves. As it was for the shepherds, it is for us today. Proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ is the gift that keeps on giving. Okay. As it was for the shepherds in our passage today, it is the same for us. Proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ is the gift that keeps on giving. So with that in mind, let us go ahead and read our passage. Uh, then we will ask God to bless our time together and we'll get right into it. So here's Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. This is the word of God. And in the same region, there were, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring the new, the, excuse me, for, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. 
And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made it known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. <clears throat> that is the word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you, Lord, for your word. As we come before you in this time, we know that this is your word for your people in a time that you have set apart for us through this week. And so, Lord, I just pray and ask that um, you use me as your vessel, that my time spent in your word this week, time meditating, studying, prepping, that all these things bring honor and glory to you as you have ministered to me through this week, Lord. I pray that you do the same for your people, for you are faithful and your promises are irrevocable. And so we know that uh, you will do exactly what you intend to do with this time. And so we stand upon that truth and upon that promise, and we thank you for it. And we ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, let's first look at how the shepherds were shown the glory of God in verses 8 through 11. I want to reread those verses for us, even though we just read them. It's important to keep God's word front and center for us. It says this, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock, over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, as we continue this walk through Luke 2, we find out that this occurred on the same day of Jesus' birth, right? Uh, I think that kind of goes without saying, but I'll say it anyways. Uh, all, we've already talked about uh, who the shepherds were, just kind of, you know, lowly outcast types of people. Uh, but like most shepherds, these people or these men were keeping watch over their sheep. Um, and then at some point during the night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the word stood over them or appeared to them literally means stood over them. And then the glory of the Lord shone around them, right? The, we, the angel appears and then the glory of God shines brightly uh, for, um, among these people. Now, like any sane individual, like any of us would react today, uh, these guys freaked out, right? They, were, uh, they had great fear is what we're told. And... Um, it says the glory of the Lord, yeah, the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. Now, when I think about that, I think we can take it on, on two levels, right? There's the startling image of someone just kind of appearing out of nowhere, right? That, that should cause fear of some sense. Uh, but secondly, I don't know what other response you should have if the glory of God is shining amongst you, right? If the glory of God shined on us right now, I think that's what it would bring about is a, a great fear. That, is a, that should be a natural human response. And I kind of think of the, the light shining. This is my very weak uh, example of this, but I think this would kind of help us paint a picture slightly for today. Because uh, I know some of you have experienced this, but it's like if after service, Pastor Ricky came, came up to you and was like, hey, I need to talk to you in the office for a minute. Right? Like, it's like, oh, what did I do? Right? You're like, uh, what, what's going on? You know, like, automatically there is a, a dread that comes over you because this light has been put, like, what, what's, what's going on? Why do we need to go there? Why can't you talk to me here? Right? That sort of thought comes through your mind. Now, if you've never had the pleasure 
of, of him approaching you in that way. Um, you, you may not know what I'm talking about, but um, maybe, you know, what, think about someone who gets called into a police station for questioning, right? And, and now, like, what you're, what you're saying is being recorded, and it's kind of like, hey, I need to bring you in for questioning about this, whatever this crime is, right? The natural thought, once that call is made to you, is like, okay, what did I do? Where was I at? What, what was going, you know, you start dreading. There's this, this fear that builds up in you, like, what, what did I do to bring about this, right? And, and so that's the kind of thought that comes to my mind when I think about the little bit of fear that would overcome you if you get called into the office or you get called down for questioning, right? This, this is a little bit of terror that would come upon you if the light of law enforcement comes upon you. But how much more when the God of this universe shines his light upon you and, and he makes himself known to you, right? That, that's where my mind goes when I think about uh, this, this terror, right? Because God knows all things, right? He knows everything we've ever done. And so there, there is some, there is an honest recognition of who we are as people that, that should come to light whenever God's light and glory shines upon us. Now, something else that came to mind was about the angel and God's glory shine around him that I thought was, that, that ministered to me. Um, when I think about this angel that he gets to day in and day out, just bask in the glory of God, worship God. He's face to face with God, right? Along with the heavenly host, they just worship God all the time until they're given an assignment to, to fulfill, right? And then he comes to earth and makes himself known to these shepherds. God's glory is just emanating from all around him. Right. Just I mean, it, all all that all these shepherds can see is God's glory. Right. They see the angel, but it's God's glory that brings about this this uh, this awe and this shock and this this fear uh, in them. And, and I, as I think about that, I'm like, you know, us as, as Christians. Right. If we are spending time in God's word. Right. We are spending time with his people. Um, we are desiring to please him in our lives. Paul describes it as the aroma of Christ. But. God's glory should be shining from us at all times, right? That, that should be what we're striving for as God's people, right? Spending time in his presence and just appreciating and adoring who he is and then that, that just emanating out of us, right? That should just, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? That should be where we are as God's people. Now, what I'm not trying to say is what we just talked about with the Pharisees where there's this cleaning of the outside of the cup and outward conformity, but if we're walking by the Spirit, won't gratify the desires of the flesh, right? And, and as we are walking by the Spirit, we are, we are um, exhibiting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, right? As we are doing these things, as we seek to honor God with our lives and walk by faith, naturally, supernaturally, it's, it's God's fruit that is being um, poured out in, in our interactions with one another. But I thought that was really interesting, and, and like I said, it, it made me think about those things. Not necessarily how much time am I spending doing these things, because like I said, it's not a checklist, but man, if, if I devoted more time to trusting God in all things, meditating upon his word, spending time in prayer, uh, taking thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, spending time with his people, serving his people, Right? If I'm doing these things, they, they only have godly and positive benefits. Amen? Like, when I'm doing it selfishly, yeah, there is no good benefit. I'm burning it from both ends when I'm doing it to get a desired result. But when I'm seeking to please God with my life, it's, it's, it's all, all it is, is is 
God's spirit working through me. I'm just his vessel and I'm being poured out. Um, and, and that's God's glory shining forth in, in my life. Uh, but yeah, that was something that kind of came to mind when I was thinking about this passage. But something else I wanted to mention before we, we went on is in this passage, right, when it's talking about God's glory shining, uh, it, it brings about this great fear, right? It says great fear here. And that word is, the word great is a Greek word mega. It's where we get the English word mega from. So it's like mega fear is, is being experienced from them in that time. But then the angel of the Lord tells him to fear not, right? He says, hey, don't be afraid, right? Don't, there, there's no reason to fear. Uh, if I was maybe a little younger, I may say, don't be so extra right now. I don't know if the kid, if, I don't know if that's what the cool kids are saying or not, but uh, it, it is. Okay, thank you. So I'm a cool kid now. But yeah, so you may say something like that, right? This is what he's getting across. Don't do, like, don't fear, don't, um, don't be afraid, don't be anxious, right? Hey, it, it's, it's all good. You know, that, it's, it's that sort of thing. Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy, right? They, were, they had great fear, and he's saying, hey, fear not. For I bring you good news of, of great joy, right? There's this great fear that you have. He's bringing them good news of great joy, mega joy. And I like the way Alistair Begg comments on this verse. He says, the antidote for mega fear is mega joy, right? Our, our attention is focused on this fear, this anxiety, whatever the case may be, this thing that I can't control. The only way to get past that, to get over it, to deal with that, that fear is great joy, that's it. You can't, you can't do it any other way. And the angel knew this, right? As he sees this fear, he's not telling him anything other than stop focusing on that and, and focus on this, this good news that I'm about to bring to you. And as I thought about that, you know, I think about how oftentimes whenever we are trying to put to death sinful habits in our lives, where we're just kind of like, you know, I, I want to stop smoking, cussing, whatever the thing is, right? Being gossiping, whatever the, whatever the sin issue that you're dealing with, you're trying to get rid of it. A lot of times, okay, I need to just stop doing this. I need cold turkey. I need to stop. Um, you know, and it's a lot of this, um, it, it's the, the, the correction, the rebuke, the encouragement that we seek to offer each other or we try to give to ourselves is in the, the negative sense. And I don't mean negative sense in the sense of like a Debbie Downer, but like it's all about the don'ts, like don't do these things. Now, there is absolutely do nots, right, that we are to do. I mean, the angel tells them, fear not. Uh, but it, I think it's more important that we focus on the thing that we are called to do, right? The angel tells them, fear not. Don't focus on this fear. Focus on this great joy that I'm about to present to you, right? Focus on this. This is where your attention needs to be. If you are actually focusing on these things, this fear does, no longer matters, right? All its power is, is removed, because your attention isn't on it, you're not devoting yourself to that, you're not thinking about it, you're thinking about these things. And I think a great example of that we find in Philippians 4, uh, verses 6 and 7, he says this, and I think all of us have these moments. It says, do not be anxious about anything, right? Easier said than done. But Paul doesn't stop there. He says, but in everything, right, all these anxious situations and, and everything else, by prayer and supplication, which is another form of prayer, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. These fears, these anxieties, these stresses, all that stuff, make that known to God with thanksgiving in your heart, knowing that it's God who can answer these prayers. Right? And as we do that, what does verse 7 say? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, right, your will, 
and your mind, all the thoughts, right? Your, your desires, your, all that. He, his, he will guard all those things for you. You can't do it yourself. You're powerless to do it. It doesn't matter how many self-help books you read, how many counseling sessions you go to, how well you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It is impossible to do this on your own. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? So for the shepherds, right, they're fearful in this moment, but why should they not fear? Well, the angel tells them, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Redeemer, a Deliverer is born to you this day who is Christ the Lord. The shepherds were shown the glory of the Lord by the, and, uh, by the proclamation of the birth of the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. Right? As that glory shone forth, this was the message that was presented to them. Now let's move on to verses 12 through 16 and see how the shepherds saw the sign that they were, that they were given. It says this, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, an, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Excuse me. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, the, the shepherds were given a sign to search for, right? It's not like Mary and Joseph were the only people in Bethlehem with a baby, right? They had to, they had to do some searching, but they were told where to go, right? In Bethlehem, you will find this. Um, but they were, they were given this sign. And as if the sign wasn't enough, right, the, 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 the clouds parted and, and was, what was revealed to them was the, the multitude of the heavenly hosts, right? The, the angels of God's courtroom. These people were, these angels were revealed to them. Um, this is like, a, I mean, well, once in more than a lifetime opportunity that was given to these shepherds. Um, I, I can't imagine how wonderful and, and awe-inspiring and beautiful and majestic, like there's no words that can describe it, but I can only imagine what that scene would have looked like. You're going from crazy terror to this wonderful beauty, like in just a span of a moment. Um, but that, you know, kind of thinking about the, the heavenly host and how this was the scene that was presented to them, it made me think of, you know, we have earthly examples of the ushering in of kings or coronations of kings and queens and stuff like that. And, you know, these are great moments in time. We just had one earlier this year with the United Kingdom. Um, you know, other countries that have kings, they'll do these, I, mean, I don't want to call it a parade, but, you know, they'll do these big um, spectacles to announce the, the new king or new queen or, you know, the birth of children and, like, all these things. These are done, and they're, like, big, magnificent events that take place over, Lots of time, they spend lots of money to coordinate everything, music, all these things are presented in these moments. And every last one of those, right? If you added them all up, put them all together, and all the joy that those things brought, pale in comparison to the, the experience of seeing the heavenly host praising God and, and talking about God's glory and how he would bring peace to all the people of the earth. You know, there, there's, there's nothing like it because 
we can always find something wrong or whatever with in humans, right? Because we're broken, fallen people. But as, as this was revealed to these shepherds, they are seeing uncorrupted, perfect beings worshiping and praising God, right? In, in unison, in perfect harmony, like it, it's, it's perfection, right? We've got nothing on this earth that is perfect, right? Everything we see has a little bit of flaws in it, everything. But they saw perfection. They saw holy holiness, right? Complete holiness. Now, I, when I think about our church, right, I, I love it. I, I'm, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And we've got some pretty good singers. We've got some decent musicians. Just kidding. <laughs> you know, we've got this, right, at our church. Um, but none of us have ever seen or heard the beauty that these shepherds got to see and hear. Now, if I was up here singing to y'all, right, I'd sound probably more like a fallen angel. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, y'all don't need that. Y'all don't need that from me. But what a, what a beautiful scene, right, of these shepherds, the heavenly host. You know, these are, like I said, these are dirty men, right? These men look, smell they, like the sheep that they shepherd. I mean, because they're just out in the fields. They're not taking showers regularly. You know, they just, they're just with these sheep roaming around. Uh, and these are the people that God saw fit to reveal his, his son to. Uh, it, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me, right? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense for, for God to do things, because I wouldn't do it that way, right? I'd want the biggest spectacle and the biggest audience, and th that's what I would want, right? Uh, but this is what God saw fit to do, and this was perfect, right? What he done was, did was, was perfect because it was in line with his word, And then also in this passage, right, I, I love when the angels are singing glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, there's older translations, like I think it's the King James. Yeah, it's the King James that says, um, I didn't have it right written down, but peace on earth and goodwill towards men. It, it's, it's worded that way. Uh, but more the the later translations that have older manuscripts to base their um, their, their text upon have this, uh, this rendition of it where it says, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, I'm not up here to give a textual criticism for why things are different, but just know there's, there, there's reason why these versions have, uh, why there's like a single letter in, in the Greek translations that kind of determine which, uh, why it's translated the way it is. But I think what, what we need to focus on is what the intention of this verse is, right? When it says, peace among those with whom he is pleased or peace among those with whom find favor with him. Uh, what we are told, it's, it's peace has not been provided for every single man, right? God didn't come and provide peace for every single human being that ever lived. Because uh, as we read earlier, right, in the confession, there's going to be some that are going to be in hell. They did not have faith in Christ. They rejected God, right? That they blasphemed the Holy Spirit. There are those who fall into that category, and there is not peace for those people. Uh, scripture is clear to tell us that. In Ephesians 2, 3, it says, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, right, by birth, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That, that's where every Christian was, right? That's where we were, 
But what did God do for us? We see later in that passage, but I want to go to Romans 5 in particular, verses 1 and 2. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So not only can the angels and the heavenly hosts sing glory to God in the highest, right? We too can sing glory to God in the highest as well. And peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. Now, um, in, in the course of my studies in verse 15, I thought it was really cool and, uh, to be able to dig into that verse in particular because uh, one of the things that was brought to my attention when it says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Right? That, that last chunk there, I thought that was really interesting. And um, I, I think it's the shepherds unintentionally right, teaching us some theology there right, through their words. I think that's, that's my take. Now, why would I say that? Well, kind of like as we mentioned earlier about the signs, I think far too often a lot of times we, we look for... We look for signs, right? I, help me understand this. Lord, give me a sign. You know, I, I'm, I'm wondering if I should buy this new car. Oh, look, there was a billboard with that car. You know, maybe this is what I'm going to get. Right? I need peace in my spirit if I'm going to make this decision. Right? We kind of try to find something to hang our, our hope on, our joy, our peace. Um, and, and, and we do it all the time. I think it's something that, that we do all the time. All of us want some form or semblance of something tangible to, to hang our faith on. And, I, you know, I, I think it's true because we say things like, well, if, if I only knew this, then I'd, I'd be at peace, right? If I only knew why I was going through this sickness, if I only knew why this person passed away, if I only knew why I lost my job, or if I only knew why I can't seem to grasp X, Y, or Z, uh, if, if I only knew why, right, we, we ask these questions. If this question was ever answered, I could finally be at peace. Right? If this situation ever changed, I could finally be at peace. Right? If I can just have five minutes alone with my thoughts, I can, I can finally be at peace. If my husband would only do this, <laughs> if my wife would only do that, right? Like that, that's where we go. If my kids would only, right? Right? If, that was, if that thing would ever change, I could finally be at peace. I could finally be okay with myself. I could finally um, do my job well or, or whatever the case may be. Right, Whatever two things you plug in there. If this was different, then I'd, I'd be able to do this the, the way I'm supposed to. But when we make our peace, our joy, our hope, our comfort contingent on something that's only temporary... We're fleeting. We have lost sight that Christ has made known to us all things that have eternal value and eternal purpose. Right? Because if we were just like, okay, if this changed in this moment, I'd be okay. But it's those momentary and light afflictions that are building up for us an eternal weight of glory that's beyond all comparison. Now, what's funny is as I was writing this chunk up, Yesterday, like my kids, they, they were just like, they, they were full of energy, right? And I'm like, I need to write the sermon. 
you know, give me, just give me a little bit of time. And then it was like one after another, dad, 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 daddy, you know, like just one after another. It was all of them, all four of them. Elena's bringing me books. Oliver's telling me about his games. Lily's showing me her brush. Like all of them got some, they're crying, they're fighting, right? All of them just back to back to back to back. And I'm like, and I remember I'm writing this up and I tell Oliver, I think it was Oliver. I'm like, dude, just give me like five minutes to just get through this. You know, and then I'm like, I need to write this up because I need five minutes. I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> so I called him back in there and I'm like, son, I need to apologize to you. Like, this isn't OK. Right. And, and this isn't your fault. Like you're being a kid. And here I am being a big kid. Right. You know, forgive me uh, for this. But, yeah, it, it happens to all of us. Right. Um, it, it happens to all of us. But I, well, that's, that's what I appreciate about what the shepherds said, right? They said, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us, right? The Lord said it, therefore it's true, right? I, because he said it, I believe it. Not I believe it, you know, it's, he said it, I believe it, and it's true. No, 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 he said it, therefore it's true, and now I go in faith, right? God has revealed these things to them, and it wasn't about the angels. It wasn't about the heavenly hosts. It was, a God, it was about God providing everything they needed for life and godliness in that moment. So the question for you is, has God provided everything you need for life and godliness? Right, if you think about it, right, has he done that? And this isn't a trick question, but it is a question, and it's from Scripture. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, so I think we all know the answer to the question. And so the follow-up question is, if this is so, do you live life that way? Do you live life as if God has provided you everything that you need? Right? I mean, that's, that, that's how we are to live, right? If God has given me everything I need, I've got no reason to complain. I've got no reason to stress. I've got no reason to not serve. I've got no reason to not trust, to not have joy, to not have peace, to not have comfort. I have no reason for any of that. If God has given me everything that I need for life and godliness, I've got no reason to do anything else. The Lord has made known to you through his word everything that you need to know, everything that is absolutely necessary, right? He has made known that through his word. In his word, he has revealed to us his son, and in his son, we have eternal life. Now, the Lord God made known to these shepherds where the Christ would be, and immediately they got up and they took off, right? They, they had to see him, right? This was made known to them. There was no other response but to go. And just like they were told, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, right? They found the, the sign and they, they followed it. These shepherds believed the words of the Lord. They followed the sign he had given them. And, and we continue on to our next point. So now let's look at our final point and see how the shepherds shouted with joy, uh, excuse me, with the joy of the Lord. Here's verses 17 through 20. It says, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now, I'm sure, because wonder can be taken multiple ways, right? I'm sure Mary, Joseph, 
and the family they were staying with as these people came, knocked on the door and, and showed up in the middle of the night or whenever they got there, I'm sure they were wondering why these random shepherds showed up at their house. Uh, but once they were told, that curiosity that they had turned into awestruck wonder. It turned into amazement at what the Lord had made known to them and quite possibly con further confirmed Joseph and Mary who their child was, right? The child that they had given birth to. Now, I'm at this point, I'm speculating, right? So bear with me. Don't take this as gospel truth. But, you know, this baby's born to Mary. God over, you know, God called, God spoke to Mary, told her what was going to happen. She gives birth and there's no grand entrance as far as scriptures tells us. There's no like amazing moment where the skies part and all that when the baby's born. So in those moments, did, were they, was there some doubt? Like we're human. Uh, John the Baptist, whenever, after he baptized Jesus and said, this is the lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Like he's proclaiming the gospel, then he gets arrested. And then he had a moment of doubt where he asked his disciples to go to the, to Jesus and say, Hey, are you really the Christ? And he responds, tell, tell him that the lame are, are, are able to walk, the blind receive sight, right? He has come to bring um, liberty to the captives, right? He says these things to confirm who he was. So John the Baptist, who knew Jesus from the womb, right? There was a moment even for him where there was potentially some doubt, right? So I, I don't believe it's above us to kind of speculate. Like I said, I don't know that, that there was potentially some doubt there, right? She gives birth. It's like, man, this is, a, this is a baby. This is like a baby like any other baby, right? Jesus did not have any, he wasn't beautiful. He wasn't any of these things. Like he wasn't handsome, tall. He, he looked like any other Jewish man of that day. Um, and so was there doubt? Like is, is God really in the flesh? Like this is what separates us from every cult that's out there. The, the divinity of Christ, right, as a child. Like, who, who would have thought that? Like, there, every, every cult that's out there that claims to be Christianity, they deny this in some form or fashion. He was the Archangel Michael. He was a, a man that became deified after his life. Like, we, they try to reason out how God could be in the flesh in these other ways. But this was truly the Son of God. This was God in the flesh. Like, it, it had to have seemed a little odd to them or maybe there may be a little doubt in the back of their mind but then these shepherds show up right just out of the blue right they weren't told the shepherds were coming uh, and these shepherds revealed to them this confirmation of who Jesus was right like that that is a, a beautiful thing because I, I think we all have doubts at times all of us about everything and Mary hearing this right they, they, they the others were were in wonder but Mary took these things and treasured them in her heart, right? Like she was the one that carried the son of God. She's the one that birthed him, went through all the pains and everything that every other woman did in birth. Uh, but she's the one that gets this confirmation and treasures it within her heart. I think it's a, a beautiful thing. And as I thought about that, I was like, you know what? Y'all may not know this, but I'm, I'm not a mom, right? Um, not a mom. I don't know what it's like to give birth to a child. Um, but I am a father, and I've witnessed the, the, the birth of each of my children, right? I've, I've been there uh, every time. And, um, you know, there's, there's nothing quite, there's nothing on this earth quite like seeing the birth of a child. 
right? Like when, when, the, when the child, when your firstborn comes out in particular, when you've never experienced this before, and then you see your child come forth from the womb, uh, it's, it's something that's, that's just special, very, very special. And I say this with as much reverence as I can, because I don't mean this in any other way than that, but it was like a, a, a heavenly experience to go through that uh, with my wife and with my sister-in-law and my mom. We were all in the room together. Just tears and joy. Like it was, there, there's, there was nothing like it. There's nothing like that experience going through and seeing life come forth from the womb, right? God bless us with his child. And, and it was like all this time we were waiting and then finally he's here. <clears throat> now, that's the way I felt with my son, right? But then the son of God comes to earth. How much greater of that scene that these, not, not only Mary and Joseph seeing this, but when the shepherds, show up, they've seen, no telling how many kids they've seen, babies, infants, whatever, but seeing the Son of God in a manger, wrapped up like any other child, just like, I, I, can't, I can't put it into words what that must have felt like to see that in that moment. Now, there's no doubt in our minds, knowing these sorts of things, why these shepherds would have left shouting and, and praising God um, because they, would, they had never seen anything like that before and they would never see anything like that again. <clears throat> but thinking about as they leave, right, like the stories they're able to tell after this, right, this is what they saw. I mean, what, like I said, once, once in many lifetimes, uh, once, once in human history to see something like this. And it wasn't just stories they were able to tell, but it was the story that they were able to share. And that story is the, the good news of Jesus Christ, his birth and the salvation that he brings. And it's that good news that they shared, that continued to be shared, right? That was that good news that, 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 that's the gift that keeps on giving. Now, I've... I find that very comforting as I think about that because this account of these shepherds was, this happened at Jesus' birth. I'm not entirely sure when Luke wrote his gospel, but this was many years later that this gospel was written. And so this happened then, this story, this account of this story, these events were kept, and then they were penned by Luke, and here we, here we are 2,000 years later, and countless people have been saved by these very words that were given in this account. Like that is, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing, right? It doesn't, it doesn't compute when I think about the effect that God's word and what he did through these men, um, through Mary, through Joseph, all, through all, all of this, like what God did, it, it is just, it's too much. It's too much to, to think about. Now as we close, it's like I said, it's too much. God's word, right, where all this is revealed, is so powerful. It's so life-giving. And it's so very applicable still to us to this day. 
And since that is true, we should always search for answers, first and foremost, in God's word. As uh, most of you know, we had our niece pass away suddenly Thursday uh, afternoon. Sudden, tragic, um, unexpected to, to everyone. And um, it left a lot of the family without answers, without joy, without hope, without peace. Right? All these things are... And, and everyone kind of copes and deals with their things in their own way. And, you know, as for Devin and I, we spent lots of time talking, crying, just sorrow, right? Just kind of going through all this uh, together. <clears throat> and we had, and, and by God's grace, right, we have God's word and we have the comfort of God's people, We have all of that to, to lean on through this time. It's, there's, there's nothing like it. Because this world doesn't have anything to offer. Because we're here today and gone tomorrow. You can find a job. You can find a spouse, a partner. You can find all this stuff. And it can be taken away in an instant. Like we, we, We're not promised anything beyond what this moment that we have. But God's word is a, a sure, God is our sure and steady anchor. His word is that firm foundation upon which we stand. So that when the waves of this life come and crash against these walls, they will beat against us, but the house will stand because it's founded upon the rock. He brings peace and comfort because he is the prince of peace and the God of all comfort. But I only know this is true because of his word has told me that. If I'm not spending time in his word, if I'm not spending time with his people, I don't have any of that. It's in the scriptures we find out who Christ is and it is in him and him alone who brings peace to your soul. It is his spirit that convicts the world of sin. And it is in him and him alone salvation is found. Now as for these shepherds, they were shown the glory of the Lord. They were given a sign of the Lord and they, were, they went away shouting with the joy of the Lord, sharing this good news of the Savior who had been born in Bethlehem. It's, it's such a wonderful thing to, to have that message, that news of hope and goodness, right? Because Jesus Christ and him alone is that gift that keeps on giving. And it is in him and him alone this weary world can rejoice. Let's pray.